Carrie already read the first nine verses, nine or ten verses of this chapter, so we won't go over that. I will kind of hit some highlights from it, but we won't go over that. But before I get started, I want to say I am so happy to have my wife back in the service. And isn't she lovely? Isn't she wonderful? I can't help it, baby. I can't help it. It's in me. No, really, I'm, I'm seriously, I'm, I'm glad that my wife is, um, she's on the mend and um, thankful for your prayers and for your support in that way. Um, this, this passage of scripture, you know, there are certain passages that don't really require much explanation. There are only a few things that you can do with scripture anyway, you know, and, and so this passage is really clear. And so what I want to do today is just provide some amplification to the passage and then give us some practical application to take with us and show us, hopefully in this passage or from this passage, how it applies to our lives and how the scripture can change our lives. The word of God can change our lives. I've titled this message today, Heart Condition. Heart Condition. Now, as Carrie already read, you know, I just kind of want to set the stage for you. Jesus uh, was, was walking along the seashore and there were crowds of people that were thronging him. And as I did my research, I understood, I understand that, that he was surrounded by hills and the people had gone from the shore and now were making their way up the sides of the hill. And so they really couldn't get a fair look or have a fair shot at hearing him speak. And so Jesus captained the boat and, and had them push out into the sea and he sat down in the boat and he taught them from the boat. And he taught them in parables. It's important. This is the first uh, of many parables that Jesus taught. We are gonna, we're going to parse it out today. Before we get started on that, though, let me give you, let me give you my working definition. It's kind of like a combination of many definitions of a parable. I think it fits. A parable is a simple, practical, and inspired illustration with a connected spiritual lesson. A parable is a simple, practical, and inspired illustration with a connected spiritual lessons. In the time of Christ, parables were given by rabbis, and they were given normally orally, and they were given in a specific pattern. The rabbis would teach, and then they would summarize, and then they would illustrate the parable. In our text today, Jesus follows this pattern. The parables of Jesus were designed to do two things simultaneously. They were designed to both reveal and, at the same time, conceal the truth, hiding the truth from those who weren't seeking the truth and revealing the truth to those who were. We've been talking about the religious leaders of the day, and we've been talking about how the motivation and the, the heart of the religious leaders weren't really to seek the truth. And so because they weren't seeking the truth and because they had rejected the message of Jesus, Jesus spoke in parables, and they weren't able to understand the message. They didn't have ears to hear, and so they weren't able to receive. 
And speaking in parables, Jesus was fulfilling a prophecy that had been given by the prophet Isaiah more than 700 years prior to the arrival of Christ on earth. Isaiah chapter 6, beginning at verse 9, God says to the prophet, he says, Go and say to this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and their eyes blind, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Jesus wasn't trying to keep the truth from anyone. It was the will of God. It is the will of God for all to repent and, and receive salvation. It's God's will. But whether or not that will is fulfilled in our lives depends on the condition of our hearts because our hearts determine how we hear. And in this passage, there were those who could not hear the truth because their heart was not right. So this is why the first thing that Jesus says in this passage, when he begins the parable, he says, listen. He says, listen to me. And then in verse 9, he says, he who has ears to hear, let them hear. Now, there were disciples of Jesus, obviously, and there were many others who had ears to hear what Jesus had to say. So Jesus spoke in parables, and then later on, his disciples pulled him aside, and they said, can you show us what you mean by this? And so verses 4 through 12, Jesus teaches, and then he summarizes. And then beginning in verse 13, Jesus begins to illustrate the parables. And so that's where we're going to pick up. We're going to pick up in the illustration of the parables as spoken by Jesus. This is the fun part for me. These parables resonate with me, man. I'll tell you why. Many of you already know this. I'm, I'm just, I'm a country boy, man. I was born and raised on a farm in North Pole, Alaska. I know I got the, silly, the city slicker mentality. I know that. Right. I was born and raised on a farm in North Pole, Alaska, man. And that farm tractor you see right there, that's, that is the same tractor that we had and still have on my farm, my dad's farm in North Pole right now, today. My father migrated to, to Alaska in 1950-something, early in the 50s, before Alaska was even a state, and he homesteaded 160 acres of land. Get this, $20. $20. With mineral rights, man. Yeah. And he's still there today. So, so we would farm. And, and, and in our community, in this farming community, this homesteading community, there would be, there are families, there were families that would come together at different times of the year to make sure that we were up and running for what we need to do on the farm. And so the Ostroms would come together with us, and the Rutherfords, and the Plaques. We'd all come together, work on each other's equipment, and get the equipment running, right? Making sure we were there and ready, up and running for the spring. In the springtime of every year, we had about 70 acres of land that we would sow seed on. 70 acres. There were three specific fields that were kind of located, like one on my mom and dad's house was here. One was like back in the back over here. One was like right over here. And when one was way over here, I hated this field way over here, man. 
Because it's so far from the house, and there were bears and wolves and all kinds of stuff out there, predators. And so, you know, you, you took your life in your own risk, when, you know, in your own hands when you went out there. But we had all this land, right? And we would harvest. I mean, we would, we would plant seeds every spring. And every spring, the process was the same. My father would get on the tractor. He'd hook up that plow. Very similar. That's very similar to the plow that we have. He'd put, he'd put uh, bricks on the top of the plow to cause it to sink down in the soil. And we had one field, the one that was located right behind my mom and dad's house, that had all four soils in one field. And you could literally hear the disc plow go from one grade of soil to the next. Go from the deep, deep, dark, rich soil to the stony soil, to the, to the thorny soil, right? And to the soil where there was a path that had been worn. I'll talk about the four different soils in a minute. And so this story resonates with me. In the time of Jesus, this story would have resonated with them too because they were an agricultural society. So when Jesus was speaking to them using this metaphor, using this parable, they understood what he was saying. And here's what he was saying. The sower is Jesus. The seed is the word of God. And the soil represents the condition of our heart. Now, it was common back in, in their day because they, they didn't have plows like we do. Sometimes they would, they would sow seed on top of the soil and then they would till the soil. And so, and, so, and so the sower of the seed would reach into the bag. There were different techniques. Um, they, they'd reach into the bag and they'd toss the seed out and they'd toss the seed out and they would toss the seed out. Or maybe if you took the one-handed approach, you stuck your hand in and you flung the seed out like this. And maybe if you was the Michael Jackson, you stick it in and go, hee hee. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Give me just... <laughs> but different approaches, all right, different approaches. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> now listen, it, 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 was, it was common that only one-third of the seed would germinate. germinate. Only one-third of the seed would take so here's what Jesus was saying. He's saying that most of the people that hear the word of God will not receive it. That was true in the day of Christ. And listen, that's true today for us. Man, the, every time I think about this, it just, it just, just grabs my heart. Do you know that not everyone's going to be in heaven? Not everyone's going to be in heaven, you all. There, there are going to be billions and billions of people who die and will spend eternity separated from God. Did you know on average two people on this planet die per second? Two people per second die on this planet. That means from the time I made this statement to right now, 20 people just died. And some of them had died without life in Christ, without knowing Jesus. And here's the thing, most of the people are just like you and I, man. Good people, love their families. Some of them just happen to assume that they have relationship with Jesus, and they don't. 
They don't have relationship with him. Their heart is not right. It comes down to the matters of the heart. That's what Jesus is talking about here. Did you know that the heart is the center and the source of all life, both physical and spiritual? Check out these statistics, man. This is amazing. The human heart, the average human heart beats 70 times per minute, 4,200 times an hour, more than 100,000 times a day. Listen, I'm, I'm watching Dr. Stevens back there. He's like, yes, 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 I know. <laughs> Did you know that there are more than 60,000 miles of blood vessels that feed our organs and our tissues with blood, more than 2,000 gallons of blood that's pumped through our system by our hearts every day? That's amazing. That's amazing. And here's the thing. The list of physical repercussions from an unhealthy heart is staggering. Google it. To the physical body, the heart is everything. Listen, in much the same way, spiritually, the condition of our heart is everything. And that's why Proverbs tells us in Proverbs chapter 4, beginning at verse 23, keep your heart, guard your heart with all diligence. Why? Why? Because from the heart flows the issues of life. Everything that happens germinates in the heart first. Wow. We'll talk about the various soils because the various soils represent the conditions of our heart. Don't miss this. One seed, four soils. One message, four different results, all depending on the condition of our heart. So I'm going to stop right here because I think the Lord is speaking to someone right now. I want you to shut your eyes with me for just a second and be fully present with God right now. What is the condition of your heart? What is the spiritual condition of my heart right now, Lord? Jesus says, if you have ears to hear, listen. Don't take casually what I'm saying. Don't harden your heart like you've heard it before. There are eternal things at stake. You can open your eyes now. I read this passage last week and I'll read it again. The passage in Hebrews where the writer writes, if today you hear my voice, don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. Hmm. Let's examine the four soils. Here's the first one, the pathway soil. That's what I call it, the pathway soil. Let's read verse 15. The sower sows the word, and these are the ones sown along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Lord, help me to be really clear on this. I'm going to be clear on this. I believe that the pathway soil represents an unprotected, exposed heart. I, I believe, much like when we would till the soil in our fields, um, I believe that 
that that that part of your heart, that pathway represents an unprotected, trodden down place in our hearts. When, when we would, when we would, when we would run the disc plow over the fields, we would run it over the entire field. But it was inevitable because we lived on that land and we had to get from one point to another. We would, we would wear paths through the field, much like what you see here. And that dirt would become exposed. And those seeds that were thrown on that soil would never grow because we would, trod, we would, we would trample the seed under our feet. And then we would compress the, the, the soil so that it was, it was dense and the, the seed couldn't get in there. And so because it couldn't get in there, it would bounce off the soil. It would bounce off the, the trodden, hard soil of the heart. And, and, and when it's like that, when the heart is like that, the seed is exposed and it's easy pickings for the enemy. He can see the seed. It can't go any further than the hard, worn down part of the soil. Man, there have been, there are people in here right now, myself included, where there are places in my heart that have been trampled, that, 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 that are hard, that the Lord is working on me, still cultivating that soil in my heart. Do you have places in your heart where the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, telling you, listen, that's a trodden down hard path. I want my word to take root and germinate and produce fruit, but you got to let me run the tiller over that soil so that the seed can go deep. Wow. Sobering, isn't it? Sobering for me. I think this, this soil represents people that are armed with arguments, won't allow the word of God to penetrate their heart, have built up a, a resistance to the truth, I've heard it before, I've heard it before, I've heard it before. Life has worn him down. I was talking to a friend of mine uh, from Fairbanks, and he was telling me, and he's a follower of Jesus Christ. He's like, man, my daughter, I don't know, I raised her in the church, and now she proclaims that she's an atheist. He said, I don't know what, what, what happened when she was, when she was, Often under my care, but I do know this, that something happened in her heart and it changed. A worn down, hardened path of the heart. You following me? Where is the pathway soil in your heart? What is the Lord saying to you about worn down pathways in your heart where he's been trying to get your attention so that the seed of God, the word of God, can, can be planted deep? That's the question. The second soil that Jesus points out is rocky soil. Rocky soil. Let's pick it up in verse 16, verse 16 and 17. And these are the ones when sown on rocky ground, the ones who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. Oh, thank you, Jesus! 
And listen, I, I've seen people do that, right? And, and I mean, I, I did it. I remember when I first got saved, I was like, whoa, I'm saved, thank you, you know? And they endure for a while, but when tribulation and persecution arises on the account of the word, they immediately fall away. Um, this, this, this rocky soil represents shallow heart soil. There's a depth of soil for growth, but the depth is only superficial and the soil has rocks in it. Remember I was telling you, my mom, my dad used to, used to plow with that McCormick farm tractor, and I turned to the side because, because um, that plow, that, that tractor, you had to like, your feet had to be like this as you sat in the seat. Nate, can you go back to that picture real quick? And, and you had to sit in the seat like this, and the seat had a spring on it. So this is how you rode the tractor. You see that spring? So you'd be plowing the field, man, and you'd be riding the tractor like this, and it hit that soil, and all of a sudden it would, it would stop like bouncing because, because the plow was absorbing the shock. And, the, and the, the, the tractor was no longer having to work as hard because the plow couldn't sink deep into the soil. And when the seed falls on rocky ground, there's no depth of root in the soil, so, so there's no long-term future for the plant. So then the sun, the same sun that caused the seed to grow becomes the same sun that destroys the plant. Wow, because it lacks depth. I remember that area of the field. The, the, the plants would grow up, the oats or the barley would grow up before any other part of the field and would also wither and die before any part of the field. It looked very similar to, to what you see on your screen right there. You see the, the sparse, the sparseness of some of those plants? Rocky soil. So when things get hot and the pressure's on, temptations, tests, and trials come, and the heat is on, because there's rocks in the soil which possibly represent undealt with issues. When those issues reemerge, the seed of the word of God hasn't gotten deep enough into our hearts. And because it hasn't gotten deep enough, the plant wilts and it dies. It struck me as I was studying this that not everyone who professes Jesus Christ has a deep-rooted relationship with him. And so Jesus tells us in Matthew 12, he says, you got to look for time-tested fruit because a tree is known by its fruit. It's known by its fruit. The third soil is thorny soil, verse 18 and 19. And others are the ones sown amongst thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, watch this now, the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter and choke the word, and it proves, what's that next word right there? Unfruitful. I think this soul represents a divided heart. It's a heart that doesn't have a single-minded focus when it comes to the things of God. Have you ever, how many of you garden? I've done garden work. Have you ever gardened around thorn bushes? Man, 
think thorn bushes are demonic. I think that they're of the devil, man. You know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, we'd, we'd plow the field, right? We'd be plowing, and we had thorn bushes. We had thorn bushes in certain areas of the field. And we'd plow over those thorn bushes, man, and the, plow, and the, and the soil would go over the bush. We'd see, them, we'd see the, the thorn bushes get rooted up by the roots, man, and we would just, ah, that thorn bush is dead. And, you know, we'd walk by, you know, and we'd wait for the, for the oats and the barley to grow and everything, and those thorn bushes would come back. I'm telling you, man, I think thorn bushes are like the house is swept and clean and the demon goes out and, you know, and finding none, he comes back and brings seven more that's worse than himself. Yeah, man, thorn bushes, thorn bushes represent a divided heart, divided allegiance. Thorn bushes are, man, those things don't just go away, they have to be pulled out. And so it is with our spiritual lives, man. When there are other things that are taken over the throne of our hearts, the only way that we get rid of those things is surrendering them to the Holy Spirit and allowing him to rip those things out of our heart. And that hurts. Doesn't it? It hurts. But listen, you have to pull them out. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to pull them out. Because if you don't, they'll grow back. They'll remain. And the condition will worsen. The condition of our hearts. Here's what's true about this particular part of the passage we're studying. Jesus will not compete with thorn bushes in our lives. If the Lord isn't Lord over everything, he's not Lord over anything. Listen, we find our faith and our salvation in Christ alone, not Christ plus something else. Listen, our Savior will not cohabitate with idols. He'll have no other God before him. And in this text, it says that there are two specific idols that, 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 that choke the word of God and cause it to be unfruitful in our lives. The first is the love of money. and The other is the love of the world. And scripture is clear that we cannot worship these things and worship God. Mm-hmm. Let me give you some proof text. First Timothy chapter 6. For the love of money, the love of money. Everybody say love of money. Love. Not money. Money is neutral, man. But if money becomes a God, it makes a horrible taskmaster. Makes a horrible God. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. That's the right to Paul. Look what John says, John the Revelator. He says, do not love the world nor the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father, man, this is strong. Y'all ready for this? You ready for this? If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Hmm. 
For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. And then Luke tells us, he says, listen, he says, you can't serve two masters, man. You're going to love one and hate the other. You're going to despise one and be devoted to the other, but you cannot serve God and money at the same time. And then we have the passage of Scripture in Matthew, Matthew chapter 19, where, where Jesus is, is uh, he's instructing his disciples, and this young cat walks up to him and says, hey, Jesus, I think this dude was smug. I really do. That's how I read the Scripture. I just look at the conversation. He walks up, hey, Jesus, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, why do you call me good? There's none good but God. But let me give you the answer. He says, you keep the commandments. Love your mom and dad. Treat them well. Don't commit adultery. Don't murder. He lists a couple other things. And I could just see this guy, man. <laughs> I got that. All these things I've kept from my youth. And Jesus pinpoints the issue. He says, yeah, you've done those things, but one thing you haven't done. If you really want to mature in your walk, if you really want to follow me, here's what you got to do. Take those things that you prize, your possessions, sell them to the poor, and then come follow me. Find your treasure in heaven. You guys know what happens, don't you? The guy turns away and he's sorrowful because he's not willing to give up his possessions. Weeds. Weeds. Weeds growing up. I believe this passage is saying this. We have a choice of either loving the weeds or loving the word. Responding to the weeds and being choked by them or responding to the word receiving life. Wow. Is this heavy? He ain't heavy. He's my brother. That's before most of y'all time. Y'all don't know nothing about that song. Like <laughs> a jacket, yeah. 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 I just had a birthday too. I'm not gonna tell you how old I was, how old I am, 56. <laughs> just so you know. So here's the question connected with the, the thorny soil. What are you not willing to get rid of for sake of your eternal salvation? What are you not, a, not willing to allow the Holy Spirit to uproot out of your heart? Listen, man, listen, listen, listen. The Holy Spirit's job is to lead, guide, and instruct. This is not in my notes, this is a little side journey. My mom is like, my mom is like, a, she's like an expert gardener. Man, my mom could take anything and grow it. I, I watched my mom take this little sliver of a plant and I came back to her house and it was wrapped around the pole, man. I mean, she's just, she's got this green thumb. And what my mom loves to do, she has, my mom has a garden, man. I'm telling you, this garden, my mom's garden is probably, it's, it's big. That's all I know is it's big. And, and she has it sectioned off so nicely. She's got the little stick with the, with the, with the wrapper that tells you what the, each thing is. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? 
right? And she's got the rose, and, and my mom knows her plants so well that, you know, when the plants start coming up, I'm like, oh, look at that plant. She looks at that, uh-uh, that's not a carrot, baby. And she plucks that weed out. I'm like, oh, look at that. That looks like a collar. She's not, uh-uh, that's not a collar. And she plucks that weed out. Listen, there are things that the Holy Spirit, there are roles in our heart of, of the fruit of the Spirit that the Holy Spirit wants to establish in our lives. They're clearly labeled. And there's fruit that, that he wants to produce out of that role, fruit of the Spirit. But listen, if we don't allow him to tend to that garden and pull up those things, those, those things that don't belong there, then we'll have weeds growing up in the garden, choking out the word of God that will make us fruitful. Yes? Man, this is a call to discipleship, man. It really is. Love the weeds or love the word? Which one? I like that. I made that up too, by the way. <laughs> All right, I'm getting ready to close. Y'all laugh at me when I say that. I am. I'm, getting, I'm getting ready to close. Here's the fourth soil. Good soil. I've walked through oat fields just like that. I've walked through barley fields on my mom and dad's homestead just like that. There's a patch of soil on my mom and dad's homestead, man. That thing is so dense and rich and it holds moisture. And I'm telling you, I mean, you saw the tractor, right? Let me tell you something. If you get that tractor stuck, you are truly stuck indeed. You ever got a tractor stuck? <laughs> Good luck getting that thing out in the middle of a field. So you're out there in the middle of the field, man, and out there, out there in that section, in that section of rich, deep soil, man, my dad, I used to ride on the back of the tractor, and, you know, I used to ride on the back of the tractor, and the plow would be going, and he'd be riding, and he would have to get, he'd have to give it the gas. The gas was right here. He, so he hit the few notches, and that thing would rev up, and the smoke would come out of the stack, and he would, he would get, he'd get a running start. He'd get a running start to get to that section of soil, because once you got in there, you could watch the tractor start bogging down, man. And unlike the, unlike the rocky soil where you'd hear the things like clang, 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 in this soil, it was like the soil was so rich, the plow would sink down in the soil and the dirt would start coming up over the plow. Have mercy, Jesus. <laughs> Good soil, man. Good soil. And that would be the result. Every single year, that would be the result. Every single year. As a matter of fact, there'd be years that before we could even sow, there'd be leftover seeds somehow and it would start to germinate by itself. Good soil represents a receptive heart. A heart that's willing to hear. A heart that's willing to receive. A heart that's willing to obey. A malleable heart.
Yeah. And Jesus says, when, our, when the condition of our heart is like that, fruit is automatic, man. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Anyone who has a receptive heart will produce fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. It's going to happen. So here's my closing question. How do I cultivate a receptive heart? I think a better question is, how can I allow the Holy Spirit to cultivate a receptive heart in me where the condition of the soil is good? I want to offer you four suggestions for that. First, give God's word your full attention. I would challenge you never to enter into a church service and and it's an also ran. It's been there, done that. And never get to the point to where you're punching your spiritual clock. God can use anyone and anything to speak to us if we have ears to hear. Yes? So give the word of God when he's speaking your full attention. Here's a second. Stop making excuses for your condition. Don't allow the enemy to keep you, to keep the word of God from penetrating your heart because you're harboring something against someone that happened 15 years ago. That person is long gone. That's you harboring your feelings. Don't make excuses for the condition of your heart. Own your own stuff. And then allow the Holy Spirit to come in and do a work of cultivating your heart. Third thing is to stop viewing ourselves as the focus of life, man. Listen, we exist for God's glory. Everything we do has to be about the glory of God, not about us. It's got to be Christ-centered and not man-centered. It has to be Christ-focused and not self-focused. We are not the sum total of all knowledge, nor are we the center of the universe. All glory should belong to God in our lives. And then third, surrender to the truth and repent. <laughs> you shall know the truth and the truth shall what? Set you free. Is it set you free or make you free? Set you free. Hmm. <laughs> Go on, Bible scholars. <laughs> Love it. Either way, you're free, right? Hey, surrender to the truth. Quit trying to do things your way and it hasn't been working. I've been trying to give this thing up. You know, Lord, I know this part of my heart is hard and I'm trying to give it up. I'm trying to give it up for, for 10 years. How's that working for you? <laughs> Repentance means turning away from something and embracing something greater. When we surrender and repent, we're saying, I am powerless to do anything about this thing. Lord, I need your help. And then the Holy Spirit can come and begin doing the work. Mitch, you can come forward if you would. The proof of our salvation is fruitfulness. Not works, not duty, 
not discipline, fruitfulness. And I'd say this, anything that is connected to Jesus, anything where Jesus is involved, anything where the Holy Spirit is present will bear the fruitfulness of a life that is anchored deep in the soil, a life that's found in Jesus Christ. Yeah. I want to close with this passage of Scripture. And I believe this passage of Scripture speaks to the ability of the gospel, of the word of God, to change our hearts. It's found in Ezekiel chapter 36, beginning at verse 26. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. The Holy Spirit will do that. If we will allow him, the Holy Spirit will cultivate the soil of our life and the eternal God of our salvation will change our lives forever. Will you stand with me?